All right, we are live. Tearing Gears Low Expectations podcast episode 48. I had to look it up. Little, yeah, a little late. A little yeah, late. You a little late. Yeah. Hey, Devon's on the bottom. Want to let him in? Yeah, let him in. We've All been right. waiting on Devon. There he is. <laughs> Devon. <laughs> What's man. going on? Nothing. Hey, thanks for joining us. We just we just went live a couple seconds ago saying that you're you had to go into work and you know and you you uh you're in your car, you pulled over and all that stuff. So yeah. So hey man, thanks for uh thanks for doing this once again and especially, you know, having to go in and uh you know, do your job and and then uh make time for us. Oh yeah, no, you. they they called me in to do um a thing for R V D. Uh, they're doing documentary on them, and uh, they're also um, wanting to do something about the 9-11. They're doing some uh, of the 9-11 thing uh, the, when, we, when we had to do the show live uh, from Texas right after right. the towers got hit. And they were asking me to do something on that. So I was like, yeah, I was like, I come down because I haven't been, I haven't seen anybody since my stroke. You know, when mm-hmm. I had my stroke in November, I've been off. So. I kind of felt like out of the loop with a lot of things. So yeah. when they asked me to do that, I looked at my wife and I said, you know what? I feel so you know, irrelevant right now with, with wrestling and the business and all that. I need to get some steam back. I need to get some, you know, I don't know what, what's the word. <clears throat> I need to get some uh, courage back to come back right. into the swing of things. And this right. kind of helped because I kind of saw some of the guys. I just ran right. with MVP, MVP and Kofi. Um some of the office guys, Bruce Pritchett, ran into right. him. Um, you know, a couple of the other guys, and it was just like one of the, Ed Farrar. I mean, Ed Farrar. Um, Ed, I, I forget Ed's last name, but it doesn't matter. But I ran right. into those guys, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to come back. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, now, how long have you been with WWE as far as a producer and stuff? Uh, since 2015. Uh, okay. You know that we were so we were me and Bubba were supposed to sign uh, the contract uh, for the second term, and um, Bubba felt that you know he didn't he wanted to do things on his own now, and he wanted to do the Bully Ray character, and you know the the WWE felt like they wanted the Dudley still they didn't want to separate us, mm-hmm. and uh, you know listen I feel like the Reverend Devon did not get the just do that it should have gotten because that was getting over. Listen, I'm in yeah. the ring with Randy. I'm in the ring with Randy Orton. I'm in the ring with John Cena. I'm in the ring with Triple H and I'm beating them all. Val Venus right. and Rikishi. I'm beating them all. I'm, I'm going over on them. So right. and the promo and the uh the promos were great. So I didn't understand why it kind of went south. So that always irked me that I should have got a better run in that but you know, I knew the money and the bread and butter was me and Bubba. Right. You know, so regardless to what fame we might have had in other organizations like TNA, listen, WWE is a different animal. And right. I know that. But, you know, Bubba didn't see it that way. And he right. wanted to do the singles. And when they said no, you know, he went home and I stayed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, I think, Gary, what do you think? I think. Bubba and Devon didn't want to face this. Yeah, look at that, Devon. You're running from Terry and Terry. That's what you guys are running from. I'm going to be honest with you. I was running from you because every time I get out the shower and the soap get out of my (laughs) eyes, I open my eyes and you standing there butt-ass naked freaking rubbing my uh, nipples. 
<laughs> yeah, rubbing your nipples, rubbing your nipples, and tucking and tucking your man stuff behind you, which is not good, bro. Well, see, Devon, I wasn't gonna bring that stuff up, but now that you want to bring this up, I don't know if Gary's ever heard this, but um, I remember the first time I did it, it was in Washington, and I just started with WWE, but I knew uh, Bubba and 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 Devon um, from ECW, so. Uh, I, I hear them coming down, and there's this long hallway. So everybody, they were up in the main event, and everybody was gone. And so I'm there, and I just got out of the shower. So I did the old uh, uh, Buffalo Bill, you know, <laughs> the, yeah. And I literally kicked back on my chair like this, and he <laughs> he walks in, and and Bubba see me, kind of gave me a dirty look, and Devon comes in, and he's just like, oh my god. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? Right, right. And and, and everybody's leaving the building. Everybody's leaving the building. I just got my ass beat in the ring. I can't fight. I was like, if this motherfucker wants to come over here and try to grab me, I was like, I'm useless right now. I'm weak. I can't do anything. He's showing me his man parts, but his man parts is stuck in the back of him. Yeah. So the the funny thing about it is, is fast forward several years, we're in Impact Wrestling together, and they would have these long, uh, these big trailers for the locker room. And uh, so uh, Devon, myself, we would change in the back. There was this big back back room, right? And uh, well air-conditioned, really nice setup. And and I would always get Devon with that because I'd hear him come through, (laughs) and I just – it was Bubba, myself, and Devon, and I'd just sit in the chair. They had nice, like, lounge chairs and stuff, and I'd just sit back there relaxed. And, yeah, Devon would just be like, will you stop that? It got <laughs> to the point where I, I thought I was going to have to change in the car. Right. <laughs> right. Much safer. Right. So, I hey, mean, now. Brother, that kind uh, of might be for you. Good stiff, fellas. Right, right. <laughs> hey, um, uh, Gary actually had a question about Dudleyville. Yeah, where is it? Dudleyville is everywhere. Let me put it to you that way, because if you got to remember, Dudleys, there were like 20,000 different Dudleys. And, you know, Big Daddy Dudley sold his royal oats everywhere. So <laughs> any 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 state you go to, there's a Dudleyville. That's where we're from. Now, Bubba was born on the south. No, I was born on the south side of Dudleyville. And Big Daddy Dudley went and found uh, one of these, um, how do you say it? One of these women that were believing in, you know, the, the, the man in the pool pit. And my my daddy took advantage of her, and that's how I was born. And then dad was watching too many uh, VHS tapes on Deliverance, and that's how Bubba was born. Uh, Spike was born. Spike was born because he took LSD, and uh, he was never the same after that. And then a half a retard Dudley comes out. <laughs> and, of course, Dancing with Dudleys, uh, he was on an Indian um uh, uh, plantation, and, and that was where Dancing with Dudleys was from. I'm still trying to figure out where Big Dick was born. Uh, where yeah. I, I, I haven't figured that one out yet, but we will come up with it. We, we, will, we will do some ancestry.com and come up with that one. <laughs> right, right. Now, um, how did the Dudleys start? When did uh, when were you brought in, and 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 um, when did you know you were uh, you shared DNA with uh, these guys, if we can say that? So how was that all brought about? Uh, you you can say, hold on, you can say that. Don't ask me how to explain that because right. if I told you why and how we shared DNA, it would be bad. 
I get a phone call from Bubba because I'm sure some of the sheet writers are listening to the show. And everything I say, boy, they like to just hype it up five times. I made one little mistake. I said, I was putting Stephanie McMahon over and I said, you know, I'm infatuated with her. But I didn't mean infatuated. I just meant, you know, I admired her. And this and that. I should have used right. admire, not infatuated. And right, boy, right. they ran crazy with that. Oh, Devon's mm-hmm. in love with, with Stephanie McMahon. He wants to be with Stephanie McMahon. And this and that. But I'm like, no, I don't want to be with Stephanie. I was like, I, she's a good looking woman. Don't right. get me wrong. I mean, shit, if I had a right. chance, you know, like Triple H did, or I think anybody would have dated right, Stephanie. Right. You know, who right. didn't work for the company. Triple H was the right. only one that was brave enough to do it. <laughs> right. You know, well, I, but I think, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, Stephanie, man, is very attractive. And, you know, and um, and I understand what you meant. You're infatuated by how she um, works hard. Handles herself. Oh, my God. You listen, everybody that ever runs in. Yeah, everybody that runs into Stephanie always has good things to say about it because she really is a genuinely, you know, uh, good woman. She really is. And the way she carries herself as a woman in an industry that's dominated by mostly men, it's incredible. She has her her father's errand. I always said this. I said, she's the sweetest person you can be, but don't piss her off because she'll make her father look like Mother (laughs) Teresa. Don't piss Stephanie off. Do not. She's a tough woman. Don't, Don't let it fool you. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, uh, getting with uh, getting back to Triple H and stuff, a lot of their personalities, because I've worked with Triple H a lot and I've worked with Stephanie when we we're doing that invasion angle. Right. And I learned a lot of mm-hmm. stuff from her um, about the business and she grew up in the business. But a lot of times personalities, similar personalities will attract two people to each other. So, um, yes. and I always thought I always thought like, you know, being in WWF in the early 2000s, like. When they when Vince and Linda have to pass a torch, you know, who are they going to pass it to? And, you know, Stephanie, uh, Shane, Triple H, uh, you know, and even Shane's wife, I hear she's a big part of it or that's how they met or something. She worked in the office. But I think those four you know, are way more capable than, you know, and exceeded any expectations on anybody, you know, on um that had a thought if they were going to, you know, uh, be able to carry the torch. I think, you know, I think they're so capable and, you know, you know, the, the, the ship is in good hands with them at the helm, you know? So, but no, I, I understand what oh, you no, mean. Oh, ab- no, absolutely. Yeah. Especially with Stephanie, it's like, you know, they, they, and, and what I, what I always tell people that in their summer jobs, they were working in the mail room and all that stuff. Cause, that's what Stephanie would tell me. And she they told me something. Yeah, they too. were working. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and one thing their parents told them, you need to learn how the people, you know, how the whole operation runs. And you need to get a good rapport with people that are working in every, you know, part of the, uh, the, the business. That way, you know what they need and you got to give them the tools to succeed. Because if you don't, you know, the, yep. you know, everything will come on. online. You know, one of the greatest things, and I always said this, I give Bubba a lot of credit. You know, I don't give him credit for not wanting to resign and do the Dudley Boys again because we missed that whole opportunity of what we could have done with the Hardys. Um, But, you know, I, I, I give Bubba, you know, a lot of credit, you know, with a lot of things. And one of those things is teaching me, you know, Devon, just don't learn your spots and what we have to do in the match. Learn everybody's spots because you never know when you got to call an audible in that ring and you got to change it up 
And I was always content with learning my stuff. It was like, well, Rhino, shit, if you don't know yours, then the hell with you then. <laughs> but you got to understand, if Rhino <laughs> forgets his shit and he don't know what he's doing, then the match is bad. We all look bad. So we right. all got to know and we all got to help each other out. So, you know, to what you said about Stephanie and Shane learning every bit of the aspect of the game, you have to know it. You really do. Yeah. You have yeah. to know everything, especially yeah. if you plan on being the next one that's going to take Vince's place, you know, when he's ready to step down. You have to be ready for it. And that's the yeah. one thing, you know, I think that's um, mostly important to, to all of this. So, yeah. you know, I just, um, to me right now, learning the producer's part of it was probably the most difficult part of my whole wrestling journey because I wasn't ready for this. I still wanted to wrestle. There was nothing wrong with me. So when I asked WWE, could I still wrestle maybe team with Apollo or somebody else to help them out? Just like Farouk helped out JBL. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do the same thing. And I was like, listen, I don't have to do the comeback. Give it to Apollo. Give it to whoever you want to dream with. Let me just help the younger talent. That's what I wanted to do. Listen, I know I did more than 15 minutes of fame, my 15 minutes of fame but i felt that my time was up and it was time to pass the torch i'm not going to be like a lot of the old timers where when we were young boys how they didn't want to give us the spot because they still wanted to be in it right i had right. my glory i had my yeah. time it was time to pass the torch you know yeah. and that's what i wanted to do and they told me no and i was so defeated by that that i hated being the producer at first you know, right. because of that, I just wanted to still wrestle. I still had so much in me. And, you know, at that point, listen, in your career, and Rhino, you can attest to this. When you first start out, you're always nervous because you want to do good and you don't want to forget right. your spots. Right. And if something goes wrong, sometimes in your head as a young guy, you don't know how to get out of that. And you go, oh, man, I wish I would have did that. Right. I was so comfortable in my ability at this point in stage of the game that whether we messed up or not, I knew how to handle it. So I wanted to be able to show guys like Apollo or somebody else, whoever they, you know, at the time wanted me to tag with, I was going to be able to show them that and to show them how to relax in the ring and don't worry about that. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach them. And I never got the opportunity to do that. And But the only way I was going to stay relevant is what I had to become a producer. Now yeah. I love it as a producer. I love it. Yeah. I don't like the stress in terms of, how you got to put a show together, but I love it. I, yeah. I understand a little bit. Some people don't understand why Vince does what he does or why he puts out what he puts out, but there's a reason behind his madness. And right, believe right. me when I say it, I'm one of the first yeah. ones to tell you, you know, from all the years of working with him going, God damn it. Why are we doing this stupid shit? Right. <laughs> you know, or why are we doing this or why this doesn't make any sense. But when you become a producer and you understand his way of thinking, you get it you understand yeah. it more each day you really do so you know never i, I never ever want to you know uh put anybody down in terms of just because you don't think it's nice doesn't mean, I mean you don't think it's good doesn't mean other people won't think it's good or what have you i do feel right. that the attitude error and the era that you and i were in was probably one of the greatest errors of all time even right. surpassing, and I'm not saying anything bad, but even surpassing the Andre and Hogan era, the things that we right. did during that time, we helped really change the face of professional wrestling. Right. Not only in ECW when we did that, but even when we got to WWE, the things that we were brought to the table. Because again, when you're in ECW, you're only seeing maybe 10% of the WWE universe. 
as right, opposed right. to being in the WWE and seeing 100% of it and they seeing you and how right. you can really be able to shine at that point. And I just feel that, you know, we shine. We did what we were supposed to do. And we right. changed the face of this business. We really did. Well, yeah, well, to add on to what you were saying, like Vince has his head wrapped around the whole product, the whole numbers, the whole merchandise sale and all that. Mm -hmm. So so what we might see or a fan might see and we don't understand and we're like, oh, that's BS. But, you know, but we don't see the numbers. So if we see something that we might think isn't selling or drawing money or selling merchandise or creating eyeballs, you know, he does. So he's like, well, this is the yes. reason why I'm going with this, you know, and it doesn't matter what we think. What matters is, you know, if people are buying or eyeballs are watching, then obviously it's it's working. Whether we think it's working or not, the numbers are tell what's working. So, mm -hmm. and and like you said, you know, sometimes we might think it something is dumb, but he knows where it's going a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing, and that's what I'm trying yeah, to learn. That was, yeah, with Impact Wrestling, you know, it's like it, it's nice because it's a smaller company, but I'm also getting into you know, like, um, and that's one thing I tried to start studying mm -hmm. when I went back with NXT is, um, you know, the the viewership, the the media stuff. You know, okay, you might not get ratings. Um, on TV, yeah. they might be this, but the digital ratings, you know, and everything's going digital. So, you know, you might not be doing great numbers on a network TV, but overall with digital and all that stuff, you know, or it's a totally, it's a totally different ballgame when you get right, to that. Right. So and, the and numbers I'll tell you this, the, yeah, no, and that's right. The numbers are the key factors. And, you know, th this I always say when you go on Twitter, or you go on social media and people badmouth, you know, the products or whatever company you're in. I get it. But at the same token, they, for some reason, their voices are heard the loudest when it really shouldn't be. And because yeah. they're so, just because you get a group, a, a couple of people that sit there and say, oh, that sucks. That was wrong. Why they do that and blah, blah, blah. But there's millions of people that love it. But the only one that gets heard is that one guy that, that says it sucks. And right. now everybody says it sucks because that one guy. But what about the millions that do like it? Right, right. That's hey. what they have to understand. Hey, uh, Chili hey, Willie said to say hi, Devon. Uh, tell him I said what's up, man. I'm going to be doing yeah, this show too. Chili. Exactly. I love Chili. Um, uh, Oh, Gary, was there something else you wanted to ask? Gary's Gary's the brains behind this operation. That's why we're screwed. <laughs> I'm just looking at the comments if you want to say hello. No, I think uh, you'd be screwed if Rhino was if Rhino was the brains behind it, you'd be screwed. Because all Rhino wants to do is tuck his man parts in and show you. Some things never change. Right. Oh, hey. Tell me about it. hey, I'm just a kid living in an adult life. You know, yeah, yeah. So, you're a kid. You're a kid yeah. that's trying to invade my quarters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, we had another guy say, uh, Kyle Northrop said he heard Stephanie McMahon talk about business outside of wrestling, and she's one of the most instinctively genius business people out there. Right. I mean, she really is. I mean, you really got to know Stephanie to understand how she works, and I mean, you know, if if, if Vince steps down. And Stephanie takes over. I'll be okay with that. 
I mean, I really yeah. would be. I think she's very smart again. And the way she handles herself is even better, you know, in and out of the business. I mean, it's incredible. Listen, and I'm not I'm not just kissing ass because I work for the company still. The fact of the matter is I'm telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. really a great person. She really is. You know, and you know, goddamn, Triple H is a lucky man. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, and I and I like to work. I wish with I, could, I wish I could be like Hunter. Right. <laughs> I do. I, I really wish I could be like Hunter and 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 get and get the first pick. You know, like right the first time I had to go through two damn divorces in order before I got the third one right. <laughs> hey, hey, D-line, there it is. Triple H goes one time. Oh God! Here we go! Here we go! Come on, Devon! Stop! I'm having I'm having PTS whatever you call that PTSD from your ass right now. Every time I see, every time I wake up, every time I think about you, I kind of jump up in the cold sweat. Oh my God, Rhino, is he here? Scares the shit out of me. Gary, Gary, Devon's you know he's a great dude. Everybody loves Devon, and he's awesome to have in the locker room. And everybody learns from. I still would learn from. Devon, because um, you were a producer when I was there with tagging with Slater. And yes. Uh, yes. one of the great things is being a producer, you know, you have to um, be comfortable as a talent. You have to be comfortable with the producer. And, and you know, and and when you're comfortable with that producer, you, you do pick your favorites. And Devon was one of the favorites. But I would always like mess with Devon. You know, I'd you know, he would be on the other side of the room and I'd just stare at him. And when he'd turn around, you know, he knew someone would be looking at him. And I'd just be like. <laughs> no, but the worst part about it is, why don't you tell the truth? Uh, no, 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 no. Tell the truth. I turn around and you like this in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, stop that, you sick freak. <laughs> Hey, uh, what about Vic Joseph? <laughs> He's a great dude, isn't he? Oh, you turned you turn that boy inside out. He goes, I learned everything from Rhino. I said, that's the problem. You learned everything from Rhino. I was like, yeah. I was like, you stay away from me, you sick freak. He goes, I haven't Doesn't done anything he yet. Uncle? Doesn't he call you yeah, uncle? Yeah, he calls me Uncle Devon. Yeah. Uncle Devon, listen, you talk about, listen, I come back to WWE with the younger generation, and I'm old as shit. I get called Uncle Devon. I get called Grandpa. I get called Dad, Pops. I mean, God, I'm like, damn, wait a minute. I'm only 46 years old. What the right. hell? <laughs> Remember how we were uh, coming up, and then uh, Mr. Fuji? Wouldn't everybody call him Uncle Fuji or something like that? Uncle Fuji, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even Demolition and promos would say, you know, Uncle Fuji sometimes. You know, yeah. they would slip up and say it, but that was, that's the role you take. But you know what? I've learned also to take that, you know, and embrace that because yeah. if they're saying pop or dad or what have you, which a lot okay. of them do in the locker room, you know, that means that they really like, you know, and value your opinion. Like I get, she like Seamus calls me pop, um, um, Apollo calls me dad. Sasha Banks calls me dad. You know, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things. You call me, you know, you even you call me daddy, but in the wrong way. Um, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's I was gonna call it's, you. It's great, but you know, I I, I enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy it. the rhino. All right. Oh, come on. So, no, no but, more. No uh, more. 
listen, la- listen. I don't even know your wife, but if you, if it, if she was smart, she'd keep you away from him. <laughs> only doing hey, only doing the podcast. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, we don't want to take too much more of your time, but I, I think what's very important is uh, a lot of fans. Um, they like to hear about ECW stuff. And what year did you break in? Johnny Rods broke you in, right? Johnny Rods broke me in out of Brooklyn, New York, Gleason's Gym. He's still running the school over there at Gleason's right. Gym. Uh, I broke into business in 1991, December mm-hmm. 13th, 1991. Uh, I came to ECW in 96. Johnny Rods called Taz because Johnny Rods trained Taz, Tommy Dreamer, and Big Dick Dudley. And Mondo Clean. Mondo Clean was one of the first guys on Monday Night Raw from Johnny Rogers' school, other than Vito, Big Vito. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, he called Taz and he goes, listen, um, you know, I have this kid that's a hell of a worker and he can go. He can, he can blow up everybody in, in your company. I remember looking at Johnny going, why the hell would you say that? I was like, you do know these people hit people with chairs and barbed wire bats. Please stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, you know, Taz says, yeah, come on down. And of course, I'm a bundle of nerves because Johnny freaking said what he said. And, you know, I was a little bit smart to the wrestling business, even though I was a young kid. But I knew if you go around and telling people that, you know, this guy is going to blow this guy up and that guy up, they're going to try to prove it. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> they put me in there with Perry Saturn for the first time in the tryout. And I actually did very well. I held my own because, you know, you and I both know, Rhino, Ter- Perry Saturn is a tough son of a bitch. Right, right. And you can't blow him up. You can't beat him up. He's tough. And here it is. I'm a young punk kid walking into the dojo of ECW. And by the time I got done, like Taz was watching, uh, Dreamer was watching, and they had me run spots with Perry. And like I said, I'm young. I have no aches or pains or anything. I'm just ready to go. And I remember we were done with the spot and I'm bouncing around, you know, doing my jumping jacks and all of that. And freaking Perry's on one leg bent down over the Taz, talking to Taz. And I heard Taz go, so how was he? And Perry goes, yeah, the kid's okay. The kid can go. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, God damn, I blew up Perry Saturn. I was like, shit. Right. Right. Now, Perry, Perry, if you ask Perry, Perry probably see it differently. <laughs> right, right, right. That's always the case. Um, I'll tell you a quick story I was telling Gary before we went live. Um, but I don't know if you remember this. It probably happened all the time. You you guys rented an SUV. I, you touching I, me? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, it, Bubba was driving. You were in the passenger seat. Dreamer was in the, uh, behind um, Bubba, and I was behind you. And someone cut him off or someone did something Don't to Bubba. Figure. Right, right. And all of a sudden, you know, and Bubba's a cool dude. You know, he's not a loose cannon or anything like that. Bubba <laughs> was like, MF for you, this. And, and you just switched. I've never seen you like this. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not on Devon's bad side. You're rolling <laughs> down the window. You, you literally were like, give me something to throw and <laughs> rocket it right out the guy's car. He fucking gets off the road. And yeah, I'm just like, Wow, I'm glad I didn't travel with you guys in ECW because apparently you're oh, uh, you you know, a lot more calm. Did that happen a lot yeah, the or great what? Thing, yeah, it did. It, it did happen a lot. And, you know, a lot of guys thought that – a lot of guys thought that because of what we do, because it's out there that wrestling is not real or that it's, what we do is fake, and they think we're fake. 
And yeah. there was numerous times where Bubba and I started riots. And, right. and we all know this, but we would go outside to our car. And people would wait for us. And me and Bubba were fighting and throwing people left and right. I mean, yeah. you know, we were beating the hell out of people. Thank God it was back then and not today. Because you hit somebody yeah. today, everybody don't want to be a man. They want to be a little bitch until mama <laughs> sue you. But yet you're going to talk, excuse me for cursing, but you're going to talk all that bullshit and, and, and then expect nobody to whoop your ass. I'm like, right. I'm sorry, where I come from in Brooklyn, New York, you talk shit, you're going to get your ass kicked. It's simple as that. And if right. you know you're going right. to get your ass kicked, then don't talk shit. Right. You know, and that's why these little punks on the computers, <clears throat> you know, they'll, they'll put their little, you know, digs in. But I'm like, dude, you're a little bitch because you know either when I'm done with you, I'm going to cuddle with you and, and manhump you in the back and make you feel like a woman that you are if I ever see you. That's what's going to happen. And so I got to be careful when I say that because Ronald going to take that literally, and the next time I see him, he don't want to grab me and hump me. Yvonne, yeah. <laughs> we have I, – I, I'm going to fly down to Florida and hang out with you. No, no, I, I left. I don't live in Florida no more. I actually moved to Mexico. <laughs> so that way you. I can't come over the, that way that way I can't come over the border with you. <laughs> I'll find you. I'm that only That's guy I'm afraid of into Mexico. Yeah. Oh shit. You are the only guy that's gonna sneak into Mexico. Right. Right. Everybody trying to get out of there. Thank right. you, Biden. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about the about tag teams. I mean, you guys are one of the most successful tag teams, tag teams in history. Uh uh, you, the, the Dudley Boys, the Hardys, Christian Edge. You think it's ever going to come back to to like that? Now, I mean, I don't think tag team is the same as it was back in those days. Here's what I think that's going to happen. You know, in every company, you know, ECW started it, where you know you put two guys that click like me and Bubba together, and you let us grow together. There's time, but you know we're such in a rush where we feel like we have to, um, you know rush things. If it doesn't work out, boom, get rid of it. Listen, me and Bubba didn't hit everything perfect when we first got together, but we did gel. And even though him and I were two separate people, but we were in that ring, we were magic. And the thing about it was it took time for that to develop. And I think that's what all these companies got to do. They got to give time. If you're going to put two guys together or two guys that come into your company as a tag team, let them, let them blossom, let them learn. Don't just take them and, and, and split them up and take them singles. Is there, a, is there a way that tag team can come back? Yes, but you have to let it grow, just like we did back in the day. You know, whether it was the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, whether it was Telling It On, you know, they were two great, you know, singles competitors, but yet the NWA made sure that they, they knew they had something and they put them together and they let it blossom. They let it, they let, you know, they let them do their thing, and that's what that has to happen. Well, and I'm not just saying that for Impact or AEW or Ring of Honor. I'm saying that for WWE as well. Let them grow. Right. Let them grow. Let them let them do it. You'll get tag teams like that again. Listen, there's no doubt in our mind, and we say it all the time. Vince didn't know what he had with the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys. He didn't know. He threw shit against the wall to see if it stick, and it stuck. And that's what happened. You know, because if you think about it, in that match with WWE, he, um, you know, we weren't supposed to be, you know, uh, not stealing the show or, you know, to me, I felt like that WrestleMania, it was kind of like Steamboat and Savage. Hogan and Andre were the draw. Steamboat and Savage was just the card, was just two guys on the card that's supposed to have a good match. It wasn't supposed to steal the show. <laughs> 
you know? And I felt that that TLC match that we had, which was a ladder match, it wasn't called TLC, it stole the show. Listen, with guys like um, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Undertaker, Big Show, Mick Foley, who was at the pinnacle of their career, and here it is, you got you know, six young guys coming in there and, and just stealing the show with tables, ladders, and chairs, you know? I mean, again, he didn't know what he had, you know? You And, and I'm not going to believe anybody that says he did know. He knew that he had, you know, six hungry guys, but that were going to be able to do what we did. Come on. Nobody saw that coming. Right. We didn't see it coming. Right, right. That's perfect. So to answer your question... Could we go back? Yes, we can. But you gotta let it grow. You gotta let it breathe. Do you right. see any tag teams out there now that you 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 think have the chance of becoming great tag teams? Well, um, I love the bar because I worked with them a lot. I love right. the bar. Um, I also love Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. You know, when they were together, I thought they had something there, but I thought they they split up too early. Um, I also thought um, the Bludgeons, uh, Eric Rowan and um, and Luke Harper. I thought they were great. I enjoyed working with them. I remember having their matches on headset, watching their entrance, and freaking marking out for it because it was so powerful. Even though it was a gimmick that wasn't <clears throat> reality based, so to speak, because you know coming out with you know hammers and you know like they're from you know like the the um, uh, the 1800s or what have you, or, you know, whatever the, the, those times, it didn't seem like it was going to get over, but it did get over. And that was the thing. When those guys came down to the ring, you knew it was business. It was like APA in a sense. You know, I also thought, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on the show, but Rhino and Slater, they had a good run together. And with Slater with the kids and Rhino, you know, right. them, the guy, I mean, they didn't let it breathe. I thought they should let it breathe a little bit. Let these yeah. guys do what they can do. I mean, you know, with Rhino, with his ability, what he does in the ring and how he looks, and with it, with his experience and Slater, you know, I mean, if you ever met Slater, you'd know that he was freaking comic. I mean, right. he was freaking funny <laughs> as hell. He'd have you laughing from the time you walked into the locker room to the time you went home to your wife. And you basically would be like, damn, I don't want to be here. Slater's a lot more funny than my wife. <laughs> I mean, that's how funny he was. And <clears throat> he never really got a chance to show that. But I think if people just let them breathe, you'd be able to get that again. That's that. That's what I feel. Right. And I think that's the importance of, you know, guys like you, uh, being a producer so you can go to bat for a lot of these talents and say hey listen let's not split them and a lot of and a lot of them i did yeah let them breathe and you know and and i think that's the importance of guys like you know you and and other producers that have been at mike rotunda i learned a lot off of him and a lot of times it's just sitting there talking while we're waiting for other guys to come over to get, you know, things ready for the night, whether it's the match or the, the thing. And and that's the true learning. You know, it's kind of like being in the car with Mike Rotunda or you talking about the business driving to the next town. You know how you learn. And I'll never forget Vince in a meeting said, you learn the business in the car traveling town to town. And mm-hmm. uh, um, it's very true because you know how it is. Right after, right after the show, you get in the car, you're talking about what worked, what didn't work, why this worked. You know, let's try this and all that other stuff, you know. So definitely yeah. you learn the business in the car. And so 
Well, and that was the thing. And, you know, that's why I say it's so good to have the old timers, because, again, that's how you learn. You know, Bubba told me he learned a lot from Wahoo McDaniels when he was traveling up the road with him. Or I'm sorry, Matt, Manny Fernandez. He learned mm -hmm. a lot from Manny and, you know, just from being in the car with Manny, you know, and I've heard that from so many people just being in the car and listening to stories or listening to how things are done. You hear people like Mr. Perfect when he was still around and Ravishing Rick Rude tell about stories when they were growing up in the business and how this person helped them just by telling them and teaching them things. I mean, that works. But, you know, this is what I hate about wrestling here in the United States is that you get a certain age, they throw you out to the past, they're ready to shoot you as if you don't exist anymore. Like what everything that you've done is over. I'm like, no, that's the one thing I love about Japan. They idolize and really respect the people that have come before the younger talent. And they don't put, they don't, they don't trash the, the talent, the older talent. They make sure they still keep them in the same light. That's the one thing I love about Japan. Well, I once said if I wasn't if I wasn't going through the divorce, I would have loved to have went to Japan as opposed to being a producer, because you know I know that I still would have been in a different light if I would have been over there. Right, right. But also, you know, uh, um, God has a plan for us, and you know maybe that plan yeah. wasn't supposed to be over there. It was supposed to be as a producer, because you know, like I understand what you said. You know, at first you were kind of rejecting it. You weren't rejected, and you you knew that it was a great opportunity, but you weren't ready to oh, be in that role at that time. You know, definitely you are now. And I, mean, and yep. I, I see myself eventually going down that path. Hopefully I, I get a, at least another four or five years out of wrestling in-ring because I would hate to have to go that route before I'm ready to end another route, you know. Um, but I, I, I definitely right. think it's so important. Because, you know, just whether it's being in the ring or with uh, a veteran, you know, you learn that, you know, like, okay, what to do, what to say, how to feel the crowd and all that stuff, you know, so it's so important. So important. I mean, look, me and, me and Bubba, me and Bubba used to pick Pat Patterson's brain, you know, yep. and ride with him sometimes. And, you know, Bubba learned yep. a lot from Pat Patterson. He was, I mean, look, Pat Patterson was one of the best finishers in the right. business. And everybody knew that. <clears throat> so everybody, people who didn't take advantage of Pat, when Pat was willing to be the learning tree and teach you, that was foolish because he's right. a very, very talented man. And that's one of the things that I don't like about the younger talent either is that some of the younger talent feel like that they're better than the people that have come before them or we're, or we're too old or, or this and that. No, you can learn a lot from the older talent. Just sit back and listen. And just because, you know, you think, this new way of doing things is is what's going to get the people. And when you don't get no reaction and you wonder why, but I guarantee yeah, you, I think uh, was still alive today. Yep, yeah, I, I totally agree. I love Pat. I mean, as a human being, he was so kind. I never, I, I never, I learned so much off of him. Um, and then I think um, mm -hmm. to, to, to jump on what you were saying, a, a lot it feels like a lot of the younger talent rejects older talent because if i try to put myself in people's shoes sometimes when i was real young i was like oh that's some old timer he's outdated you know but see that that was wrong because i closed my mind but then i would like loosen up and then i would listen to him and i'm like wow i'm learning something off 
you know? So I think maybe that's why, because yeah. they're like, you know, like when you have a kid and your kid's like, Oh, I know better than you. What do you know, dad? And it's like, all right. And then they're coming to you going, wow, dad was so right. <laughs> well, I'm going through that so. now with my twin boys who are now in AEW. And, you know, if you ask them, they'd be like, no, dad, that's not true. We listen to you. Look, every time I try to give some advice, it's just like, okay, dad, not a problem. And I know they just brushing me off. And it's cool because, you know, let me say something and it goes in one hand, goes out the other, but let you say something and they listen. And that's always been the case with kids. You know, they can't take it from their parents, but they'll take it from somebody else on the outside because their parents is their parents. They just think, oh, he's trying to over, trying to protect us and this and that. You need to let us go and let us be ourselves. And yes, we do let you be yourselves, but we want to help you and stop you from making major mistakes. Listen, I made major mistakes in my career, especially outside the ring. You know, um, I, I, I don't hide behind it. You know, I had my fun, you know, uh, out there and, you know, with women and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm lucky nothing bad ever came out of it, you know. But thank God, you know, he was with me through the whole, you know, trials and tribulations during that time. And although I might have thought I had fun, I was, you know, hurting myself. But thank God, nothing long-term effect. And that's what I try to instill in a lot of guys. I'm like, listen, it might be fun now. This rocks, you know, drug, sex, and rock and roll without the drugs, of course. I said, but the sex, oof, listen, it's good. Don't get me wrong. But at the same token, it's, it's, it's not fulfilling. Because, you know, you yeah. got one girl in one town, then they go to the next one and all of that and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, no, stop. Forget it. No. I wish I can go back and change so many things that yeah. I've done yeah. over the years. That's like, I even wish I can go back and change the fact of me coming out the shower knowing that Rhino was waiting for me with his stuff up. I mean, you know, I can't go back and change that because everywhere I go, Rhino seems to You don't want to change that. You don't want to change that, Devon. But Stop see, it. here's Listen, another in, thing. And that's another Listen. important thing. Um, that's another important thing, Devon, is, you know, not only are we uh, good for the younger talent you know, to learn from learn from us what to do, but also learn from us what not to do, you know, because if you exactly. share that story and they hear that like, OK, well, maybe maybe I shouldn't do that because Devon wishes he could go back and, and take a lot of that stuff back. And that's what I would tell a lot of talent, too, but you know, you know, but you know what? Like, like I tell them, I say, listen, if you got a good woman at home, stay with her. I'm like, right. don't, and don't, whatever you do, if you get into a fight or anything like that with them, don't sit up there and tell the new girl all your problems because what she's going to do, she's going to play on that or him. Right. They're going to play on that. Oh, they don't do that for you. They don't do this for you. Oh, I would have done that for you if it was me. And then you get all in your head. Oh, man, I picked the wrong girl. No, you didn't. That other one yeah. is playing you. And then right. all of a sudden you wind up leaving the good woman that you're with and going with the bad one. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't understand. You told me you would have never done that because you're an idiot. You <laughs> fell for it. <laughs> I mean, right. that's what she that's... wanted you to think. That's how she got you away from the first one. Right. And believe me, I learned my lesson on that on numerous occasions. And the wife right. I got now ain't no girl out here. Listen, somebody just taught me a valuable lesson. You can you can like uh, window shop, but don't buy. Right, right. <laughs> in, other, in other words, you can look and 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 think about, but don't don't buy it. Don't ever buy it. Right, right. Well, see, Gary's wife is trying to get rid of them. She's been Gary. trying to get rid of them for the last thirty years. <laughs> no, no, no. After the comment she just made, she ain't trying to get rid of him. She's trying to get rid of you. Oh, come <laughs> on. That's that's way too hard. 
right. We got a uh, we got a Tyler Sanders said the best thing I've ever heard. Devon calling people bitches. He's so right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because they are a bunch of bitches out there. I mean, yeah. this new generation. Somebody asked me. They said, "Could ECW ever come back?" And I tell them, "No, ECW will never go back." Number one, we're too old. We can't do that shit no more and take that type of abuse. I mean, we're already having aches and pains trying to get out of bed as it is. And number two, this new generation cannot do what we did in ECW. They just they can't take the abuse. They can't take. They don't. They, they're not men. A lot of them won't be able to do that. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's the truth. Listen, we put our bodies through hell. We went in there and I, you know, like I would like if we were in there with Rhino, I told Rhino, listen, if you swing that chair, just hit me square on the top of the head. That's it. I don't care how hard you hit me. Just hit me. But just make sure it's square on the head. That's it. You won't get young guys telling you that anymore. You don't get that. You know, I'm sorry. Breaking light bulbs and all of that on them. Like they try to do what we used to do back in the day. It's not going to, it doesn't work. That doesn't make you extreme. What we did in ECW, that was extreme. You know, what we did there and how we changed the face of pro wrestling, that's what you call. And you don't have guys in the wrestling business that can do that anymore. We were a special breed of people. We really were. And nobody in the wrestling business has ever seen anybody like us. But here's the difference. When nobody else wanted us, ECW and Paul Heyman did and saw the potential in us and gave us the green light to go out there and to be ourselves. Nobody else could have done that. that that's funny you said that, Devon, because we just got a question. Uh, he wants to know, Gary Emmett wants to know what you guys think about deathmatch wrestling. Well, I mean, again, deathmatch wrestling started in Japan and ECW did, you know, come off of that a little bit. Terry Funk. Um, and uh, Cactus Jack brought it here to the U.S. But at the same token, when I watch some of it, there is no story. There is no logic behind it. They're just hitting people with fluorescent bulbs. They're going through barbed wire, you know, wrapped around table for no reason. I mean, when I see some of these guys do TLC matches, we had a story behind everything. There was a meaning when we put somebody through a table you know, I like to say A, B, C, and D when you put a match together. Make sure A goes with B, B goes with C, C goes with D. And when we put those matches together, we did that. We didn't just swing a chair. We didn't just take a ladder and throw it at somebody or jump off of it to do some crazy spot. We made sure it meant something. And this is why 20 to 30 years later, people still talk about the TLC matches to this day. Some of the greatest matches ever. Yep. We got another guy. I agree. I took, it took a long time, but I figured somebody was going to get to this. Yo, Devon, get the tables. Oh, testify. <laughs> <laughs> I figured we'd be getting a bunch of those. It, it, took, a, it took a while, but I knew somebody was going to do that. But, yeah, it's, I don't know what happened to Terry. I think uh, he left, left us. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You know, here's the bad thing. Here's the bad thing. Terry did my show, Table Talk which is every Wednesdays at 4 p.m. I got to plug it on your show. I'm sorry. But I had him on the show. He did the same thing, and he was driving. Now, here it is. I'm driving. I'm stale. I'm right here at the hotel where we're doing WrestleMania, and I I, I didn't move because I didn't want to lose reception and all that. But here it is. He's stationed, and he's still lost. Trust me. I'm lucky to get him on the show each week, and it's his show. (laughs) Damn rhino. So, so him even being here was a surprise today. I, I'm I glad he spent 45 minutes and joined us. 
but uh, we will we'll let you go. <laughs> We're getting close to the hour mark. We got to let you go. Uh, 25 major championships between uh, WWE, ECW, TNA, New Japan. One of the most decorated tag teams in history. It was a pleasure having you on, Devon. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, if you want to tell the fans anything before you leave, just, uh, just go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say thank. I want to thank the fans very much for all their support over the years. Um, you know, I do cameo. Um, I always say that after every cameo appearance that, you know, I, I do uh, for the fans. I say thank you because without you guys, there would be no Dudley Boys. There would be no WWE. And I can't begin to thank you enough, you know, for all your support over the years and what you've done. And I also want to give, you know, a shout out to each and every one of those people that when I had my stroke in November 13th, the outpouring of support for getting well. I can't begin to tell you how much that meant to me. Thank you so much because the man that was on his deathbed and about to kick it, you know, it, it brought me back to life. So thank you so much. Your prayers and thoughts were heard and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. So you look great. So uh, how you feel? Do you feel you feel 100% now you back to I feel I feel I, I feel I feel great. I don't know about 100%. There's still a little um I still get a little tired in my left side of my leg because when I had the stroke, I was only up to 13% on my left side. Now I'm back to like 75% on my left side, but it, I do get tired very easily on my left side, but that's okay. It'll come, it'll come back and I'm not worried about it. I'm going through rehab, physical therapy and all of that with my trainers at the gym and we're going from there. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it again. Thank you for joining us or thank you for joining me, I guess. since. uh, Terry's no longer with us, but uh, it was great having you on. Yeah, well, you tell Terry, I said, tell him I said, thank you for having me on the show. And if you can help me, you and your wife can help me and, and try to get Terry some counseling so he can <laughs> stop trying to touch me inappropriately and grab me and show me things that I shouldn't be seeing. Listen, I don't know if you saw it, but when he tucks in his man parts, it's kind of <laughs> scary. And then he puts his hair down. You know, he's got that long hair. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm a boy. Stop. <laughs> 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 oh man, never open a text message from him. Never open a text message from him. <laughs> Listen, I feel I feel like Cat Williams. I feel like Cat Williams and Terry Crews in the movie Friday After Next. Wait a minute, I'm a boy. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I don't think Terry cares. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> oh man. Great oh, talking. Man. Safe travels. Thank you guys. Thank you. you. You got it. Thank you, my friend. Well, thank you. Bye bye. All right, next week, Terry and Gary's Low Expectations podcast right here, 4 p.m. live. Hopefully, Terry will join us again and maybe stay the whole show. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Give us a follow on uh, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, you name it. We got uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Audible. We're on all of them. Talk to you soon. Terry and Gary's Low Expectations podcast. Thank you. <laughs>